What about the email marketing course that you can do via Digital Marketer? How do our listeners find out more about that? Yeah, so head over to, to digitalmarketer.com. I'll tell you a tip. If you want to get our email marketing certification, give it a free try. You can go to... I'm Richard Lindner, co-founder and president of Digital Marketer, and you're listening to my friend Ash Roy on ProductiveInsights.com. Welcome to the Productive Insights Podcast, where you can learn how to systemize, automate, and scale your business via the internet. To access previous episodes and useful productivity tips, go to www.ProductiveInsights.com. Now, here's your host, Ash Roy. Hello there, this is Ash Roy, the founder of ProductiveInsights.com with a quick message for you. If you'd like to grow your business profitably and fast, head over to getmetodone.com where you can learn more about the Productive Insights membership program, which is designed to help you grow your business profitably and fast. We help you get clear on your target audience and create an irresistible offer around the specific problem that you solve for your audience. Once we've established an offer that's a good fit for your audience, we then help you to scale your business using marketing automation, which means you spend less time working and more time enjoying the fruits of your labor. If you'd like to learn more, head over to getmetodone.com right now and take that first step towards your business success and your time freedom. I hope you enjoy this episode and get a ton of value from it. I look forward to seeing you at getmetodone.com. Welcome back to the Productive Insights Podcast. This is Ash Roy, the founder of Productive Insights and the host of the Productive Insights Podcast. Today, we have some excellent content from one of the founders of Digital Marketer, and that is Richard Lindner. And we're going to be talking about email marketing. This episode turned out to be so much more than email marketing. Richard shared some fantastic tips around transformational leadership and how that differs from transactional leadership. And just that one tip alone can transform the way in which you manage your business and lead your team. He also shared some great ideas around how to improve your email marketing through indoctrination campaigns and re-engagement campaigns. And he shared some specific resources you can go to to improve your email marketing skills. And then as you probably heard in the opening snippet, he also shared how you can get access to some of Digital Marketer's content for free for a month. So I hope you get a ton of value from this episode because I certainly did. If you do find it useful, please do share it with somebody else that you think will benefit. The URL for this episode is ProductiveInsights.com forward slash 171. And that's where you can access all the show notes. You can also access this content on iTunes. And this particular episode will also be published on our YouTube channel, which you can access by going to youtube.com forward slash Productive Insights. This episode is brought to you by ProductiveInsights.com. Head over to the homepage to check out some of our latest offers. We have a very special one going right now for founding members of our membership site, which we are launching. You'll see the offer on the top of the homepage of the ProductiveInsights.com website if you head over today, which is the 18th of November 2018. I plan to leave the offer on for at least a week or two, but depending on how many founding members 
join this membership, which has just launched, the offer may be taken down. So head over as soon as possible to ProductiveInsights.com and check out the current offer. And now, without further ado, here is Richard Lindner. Welcome to the Productive Insights Podcast. This is Ash Roy, your host and the founder of ProductiveInsights.com. Richard Lindner is the president and co-founder of DigitalMarketer.com, the industry leader in global digital marketing education. He's also a sought-after leadership expert, working with some of the world's most exciting brands like Uber, HarperCollins, and Etihad Airlines, to name a few. I recently had the pleasure of meeting Richard at Digital Marketing Down Under, where I saw him speak. He was able to simply but powerfully present his ideas around building and scaling a business using digital channels. Besides having excellent leadership skills and presentation skills, Richard is also an email marketing whiz. Now, I can say this firsthand because I have had the pleasure of completing his course on email marketing at digitalmarketer.com, which I really enjoyed and learned a lot from. So I'm delighted to welcome Richard Lindner to the Productive Insights Podcast. Welcome, Richard. Thanks, Ash. I'm really excited to be here. I really have enjoyed kind of meeting you and, and catching up on on the podcast. And uh, you know, now it's, it's really cool to, to be a guest. I think it's amazing format and you've had some some guests. So I'm I'm honored and humbled to to, to be here today. You're welcome. It's, it's a pleasure to have you. Actually, before we kick into the questions, you shared something really interesting when we had a chat at Digital Marketer Down Under. And that was your story about when you walked into a job that was a corporate mm. job you didn't like it very much, and you left very quickly. Can you quickly share that with our audience? I just love that story. Yeah, so, you know, I, I was kind of, I came from an entrepreneurial family. I was always entrepreneurial growing up and, and started my own businesses and, and things like that at, at an early age uh, and, and always worked for entrepreneurial companies, but had kind of committed myself to finishing university and did that and had all of these grand plans on how I was going to have a corner office, you know, very much a product of the 80s. You know you're important when you wear a suit and tie uh, and you have a corner <laughs> yes. office. I, I don't think that's even a thing anymore, uh, but it definitely was. So didn't have initial success and you know, uh, kind of got it together and, and figured that out and, and finished and then walked in and started this new job. And, and I remember being very excited. It was in the financial services, giant company, really excited about this opportunity. And I remember sitting down the first day and hearing kind of the VP of the department talk about how, you know, if we really applied ourselves, worked you know, 80 to 100 hours a week in just seven short years, we could be on our, our way to making, you know, $60,000 and <laughs> and maybe be able to, to start the process of being a broker. And, and I remember looking around and seeing a lot of people excited and going, <laughs> man, I don't know if I'm broken because I'm not excited or if I'm normal because I'm not excited. But I know that I'm not at all excited. I've just done a couple of things with entrepreneurial companies right before I graduated that made me a, a small amount of money, but enough of a taste of a chunk of money to go, that was different. I can do this. There's something better. And then to hear the prospect of working 80 or 100 hours a week, starting out as a sales assistant, moving into this seven-year plan to then maybe possibly actually start my career was terrible. And, and I remember sitting and, and making it kind of through lunch. 
Um, and at lunch, when everyone else was leaving to go take a very short lunch break, I got up and I walked into the same guy's office. And I'd known him for quite a while, not just from professionally interning, but but he was an indirect friend of the family. Uh, <laughs> so it made it extra special to walk in and say, <laughs> man, he said, how's it going? Any questions? I said, I've been trying to answer one question all day. And that is, how do I make it to the end of the day without quitting? <laughs> and, and I'll tell you. I don't want to burn any bridges, but this is not for me. And I know the closer it got to lunch, I knew that the answer of how do I make it to the end of the day is you don't. So then it became, how do I make it to lunch? And this isn't the place for me. I'm so very sorry. Uh, and I left and I quit. And, and I said, I, I don't think there's a way to do this without burning bridges. I'm just trying to be totally honest with you. I can't sit here another minute. This isn't for me. Uh, left and, and gosh, fast forward to 2 a.m. that morning, my kind of Second mentor, one of my first uh, really uh, uh, big influencers, especially uh, as it relates to digital and and all things online. And I had been sitting up at a bar until 2 a.m. And I don't think the bar had any cocktail napkins left. <laughs> all we did was write business ideas on these cocktail napkins. And I remember, um, I guess I'll see you Monday. And I said, oh, okay, what are we doing? He said, well, we're going to start a business. So you know, let's grab, you grab your favorite five and I'll grab my favorite five and we'll meet on Monday to decide which one we're going to do. And that's, <laughs> and now that's how I'm here. So very indirect story. path, but one that I, I cherish. I love that story. I really love it. It's a very inspiring story and I guess it appealed to the entrepreneur in me. So congratulations <laughs> on, oh, thank you. on taking the leap and being so decisive. And I think that's a large part of successful entrepreneurship. You know, being decisive, taking responsibility for those decisions and accepting the possibility that it may not go your way, but then learning from it, whatever happens. Okay, so let's talk about email marketing. I'd mm. like to start by addressing the elephant in the room, declining email marketing open rates in the environment of the rise of the chatbots and all these other things that are happening. There's a whole lot of Changes happening in the landscape. Facebook is starting to have reduced engagement, which could arguably be pushing people back more towards email. But then mm -hmm. you've got the chatbots happening, which is taking people away potentially from email. We're seeing some reduction in deliverability rates. Could you share your thoughts on this? Yeah, there's no doubt that overall email open rates uh, and click-through rates are declining. When you're still kind of focused on email, as it was three to five years ago. But, uh, but I'll ask a question because it's funny. If you listen to the, the newest technology, uh, email marketing has died once a year for about the past five years. Uh, and there continues to just be a different murderer uh, that's guilty. <laughs> now, I'm a big fan of in addition to, not in lieu of. And okay. if you think about Facebook, for example, Facebook was a great example. You as a user of Facebook, when they want to communicate with you, how do they do it? They actually send to you. Yeah, yeah. When Twitter wants to communicate with its members, how does it do it? It sends you an email. When LinkedIn wants to communicate with its members, it sends them an email. Email continues to be the way to communicate with your engaged members. Now, uh -huh. engaged being the key metric there. The number one contributing factor to email deliverability is engagement. It trumps everything. Uh -huh. The problem is email marketers or just marketers that use email as one of the ways they they promote their their product or service or or talk to their their members are continuing to resist email list hygiene 
continue, continuing to resist not measuring the size of their list, but measuring the effectiveness. Mm -hmm. So it, it's kind of a chicken egg scenario. When you have an unengaged email list uh, and you continue to email them, then it actually causes your engaged people to receive less of your emails. Beautifully put. Right? The key to winning an email now is to focus on engagement and to know when, an, when a user becomes or a reader becomes unengaged and to trigger a specific campaign with the whole goal of re-engagement. And yes. here's the kicker. If they do not re-engage, you stop talking to them. Yes. It's yes. such a hard thing to do, right? Because you're, you're measuring the value of your email list and the number of subscribers that you have, and that's just a dangerous trap to fall yes. into. Yes. Just to go a bit further into what you said in terms of list hygiene for our listeners, if you're not familiar with list hygiene, it's basically the process of regularly clearing out people from your list who have not engaged. So people who have never opened an email or not opened an email in the last six months, whatever you decide is the criteria for engagement. You take them off your list because the email providers tend to measure the open rates and engagement rates of your emails that you're sending out and then decide on how well that email is delivered. I believe Google is in on this yeah. as well. Is that correct? Yeah, absolutely. So you, you nailed it. So here's typically what happens. You send out an email to your list. And now let's say you've got MSN and Yahoo and Google. They're yeah. going to allow the first few thousand emails through, right? Yeah. So let's say a digital marketer, our, our email list makeup is broken down. About 50% of our subscribers are on Gmail, right? A okay. large, large segment of our list is Gmail. So if Gmail becomes a problem on deliverability, we're really going to feel that, really, really feel it. So what, what most broadcasts do is they just say, okay, you've got 500,000, 700,000, a million subscribers, whatever the number is. Yeah. Uh, you press send and it just sends them out in yeah. no particular order. Now, Gmail goes, okay, we're going to take the few thousand, and then we're going to pause. We're not going to let any of the other ones through. Now, MSN and Yahoo does the same thing, and what they're doing is they're going to wait and watch and see. Yeah. What's the engagement? How many people open? How many people archive or delete without opening? How many yes. people open and um, unsubscribe or open and complain? And they're going to give you a general kind of grade based on that. If the grade is good... The rest of the emails from that sender with that subject line are delivered based on that grade. So yeah. they open the pipe and in the emails go. Or if it's bad, they go, oh, sorry. They close the pipe and write to the spam filter, all of those go. So again, right. the number one kind of factor in, in deliverability on the ESP level is engagement. So if you have a bunch of those subscribers that open, click, Mark is important, scroll and read the email, move it over into a folder, all of these positive engagement mechanisms, then they're going to deem that based on those subscribers' interactions, that will be the same interaction as the rest of the subscribers. Think about it like a page rank on Google. If you're going to buy traffic or PPC, yeah. it's just an email rank, and they're protecting their users. Whether yes. they're users or search engine users or Gmail users, they don't care. Their number one goal is them and making sure that they're happy and they don't feel spammed or over-marketed to. Okay. What would you say is the optimum frequency at which you should be sending emails to your list? Mm. 
Yeah, so that depends. It depends on the level of engagement. I think everyone kind of has to figure that out for themselves. You email too infrequently, and then every time you email, people go, who is that this? Again? I don't remember signing up for this. What? Uh, and you search your inbox. You're like, I haven't heard from you in a month. I don't even remember this. Bye. You email too frequently and bye. So you have to kind of figure that out through trial and error. I think the appropriate kind of question is, how are you adding value? Like how often are you delivering ungated value or engagement or entertainment? And then we like to determine frequency by level of engagement. So the more you consume, the more emails we send. When you stop consuming, then you're obviously not interested. So we're, I guess, ascribing intent to the to your engagement based on the interest of the topic. Okay. I really like what Andre Chaperon does, and I interviewed him in episode 140, where he uses a tagging strategy to gauge what specific topics you're interested in, and then he flicks you off into these loops or sub loops like the branches of a tree almost if you click on something around productivity for example you'll get more emails about productivity and that way he stays relevant in your inbox and increases engagement so that seems to be quite a good approach too yeah so we call it engagement based segmentation so if i send a newsletter out and that newsletter has maybe three articles and you only click one then we're going to kind of do a similar thing right we're going to assume that if it was, so we don't do productivity, but let's say it was Facebook ads, right? Yeah. Uh, then we're going to assume that right now, because out of three to five options, that's the one you chose, yeah. right? So engagement-based segmentation means you engaged with content about this. So we're going to move you over into a segmentation list and we're going to start talking to you about this more and more. Mm-hmm. Now, I think it's a similar kind of a similar strategy. We call them different things. We trigger them differently, but I'll tell you, I've been learning from and and reading Andre's uh, material forever. I thought Autoresponder Madness was amazing. I fell in love with Soap Opera Series. He is just absolutely brilliant, Um, not only in email, but in in writing, right? In in just, you know, persuasive writing and engaging writing, opening loops. So I'm a big fan on staying relevant. I think if you talk to people about what they're interested in, they're obviously going to be more engaged. You know, the goal is how do you find out what your people are interested in? I mean, obviously, digital marketing is a giant kind of category, and there are so many subcategories. It's our job to figure out, you know, what is Ash interested in based on how he interacts either with our site or with our newsletter. And then we need to make sure that that we stay relevant based on his interest, his needs right now today. And and for that reason, I think the way that Andre is doing it's absolutely brilliant. Okay, so that segues really well into the next thing I wanted to ask you about, and that is measurement and tracking. Any Mm. suggestions on how you measure this engagement and how you track it and use some kind of a feedback mechanism within your standard operating procedures or your business to consistently improve your deliverability? And as importantly, if not more importantly, how do you delegate that to your team? Mm. Great. Those are good questions. So for us, we're we're monitoring email on a daily, weekly, monthly basis, but we really break down. So a couple of things, we have high value segments. So we've identified actions that are taken that would lead to high value segments. And then we can kind of determine the success either of engagement or of trial membership 
or of uh, content uh, content consumption based mm-hmm. on how many people are in those rolling buckets. So one of the things I would I would heavily encourage uh, everyone to do is say, identify the high value segments that exist on your list. Yep. Right now, and I'll I'll give you an example. So for us at Digital Marketer, we have Digital Marketer Lab. It's our premium membership. We have three levels. Um, one of the, the things that we're big on is splintering. So creating funnels or entry point offers based on deliverables of the program that we're ultimately going to try to place them in. So we'll take one of the deliverables, splinter them out, sell it a la carte, splinter something out from there, whether it's a template or some something useful that they can actually use, meaningful but incomplete, right? So maybe it's the, the template one of them's the email marketing metrics guide. Let's use that yeah. one, for example. Right. So if you were to opt in to get that guide, you're actually going to get our spreadsheet, right? uh-huh. our spreadsheet on how we track email. Now, it's also going to send you over into a campaign to get you into lab. Now, we know that the average lab member yep. joins after buying 2.3 execution plans. So okay. a high-value segmentation is anyone who's new to the list that's opted in, in the last 60 days and bought two or less execution plans, but hasn't joined lab. Right. Why is that a high value segment? Because we know that they are the most primed. They're new to the list. They've done most of what people who join lab do. So the next logical step for them to take to get the, the value that, that most of our other members have gotten is to join lab. So we're not going to talk to them about anything else. And I know uh, how many lab members per thousand I can expect from that segment each and every month. So yeah. the first thing is identify these high value segments because it'll it'll inform what campaigns you run. Now, yep. those are rolling segments for us. So yeah. they're going to fill and empty um, based on some rules. So what campaign should I send them? Uh-huh. Well, I just send them the highest converting campaigns over and over again because it's new to them. Okay. If we're doing customer acquisition, I'm going to pretty much send the same five to seven campaigns to that segment, that rolling segment, every 30 to 60 days because the people that are entering are new. They haven't received those before. But now, what about the people that are already in that segment? You, do you exclude them from those campaigns? If they received it last time and they're still in the segment, they don't receive it this time. Okay. But eventually, they fall out of that segment, right, based yes. on either activity or inactivity. So, gotcha. so number one is identify those high-value segments. So basically, when I'm looking at our list, we have people who are on high-value segments and yeah. everybody else. Yeah. I'm sending mass broadcasts to people who are on high value or who are who are not on a high value segment, mm-hmm. right? They're just our general broadcast list, yep. with the goal of getting them into one of these high value segments, right? Because then, much like Andre, these kind of campaigns take over these proven campaigns. So really, I look at our broadcast list. The goal of that is to funnel them into one of these interest based segments, right? Yep. One of these activity or interest based segments. So now we have to look at a couple of things, right? We're looking at uh, deliverability, and we manage, we monitor that in two ways. So we monitor it based on our our broadcast system, Maripost. Yeah. They have some pretty advanced monitoring, so we'll take theirs. But we also use Mail Monitor app to just look at our our inbox placement. Yeah. Now for us, we also decided to get Return Path certified, which is it's based on volume, but it can be you know. It can be pretty expensive, really anywhere from probably 
ten to to $50,000 a year to maintain return path certification based on volume. But it's it's going in and certifying that you, you know, you're following certain practices kind of gives you a innocent until proven guilty status. Right. What Yahoo. body is this with? It's with return path. So it's just uh, uh, return path is a is basically a email verification system that, oh, that says okay. anyone who is certified with their IP addresses as a return path certified sender is, is just that you get. Uh, it's almost like an old school Better Business Bureau stamp of approval, okay. right? You're going to get you're going to get the benefit of the doubt. Sort of like um, ISO 9000. So it's not with that, your it's not with your email provider. It's not not. Okay, right. Standalone. Good, so there's independence. Um, okay. Yeah, standalone independent. Now you have to have dedicated IPs that you're mailing through so you can't be on shared IPs because yeah. you kind of you own your own fate. Yeah. Right? And you have right. to meet certain requirements based on list hygiene, engagement, spam complaint rates, and things like that. But I'll tell you, for us, we default to being delivered in Yahoo. We default to being delivered in MSN. We default to being delivered in uh, Google, right? So in the the primary inbox, uh, not the promotions tab. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So it's definitely worth it. But now we're, so we're monitoring inboxing, right? We're monitoring deliverability, and then we're monitoring opens and clicks, complaints and unsubscribes yeah. and forwards, right? Okay. Opens, clicks, complaints, unsubscribes and forwards. Now we're looking at this every single day, three times a day to fill it out. And and yeah. that's important and I'll, I'll explain why. I think being able to predict uh, pacing is important at every mm. level of life. No matter yes. what your job, you ought to be able to predict based on where something is now that you own, mm-hmm. where it's gonna end up. Mm-hmm. So I go in and have my someone on my team pulls the numbers at the exact same time of day, every day. So if I ask them okay. at 10.30, they likely pulled their numbers at 10 a.m. And after they've done this for a couple of months, they'll know, is this generally trending like a amazing email? Is it trending like a terrible email? Or is it just on par with our average email? Right. This is a great way for them to understand based on 10 a.m. Here are the opens, here are the clicks. It should drive about X number of opens or clicks. Mm-hmm. So if they're always pulling emails at 10 a.m., at you know, 2 p.m. and at 5 p.m. before they leave, then they'll be able to understand what pacing looks like. And that's okay. important to me. Right. Yeah. That's really important that people are able to start projecting and yes. start pacing out emails because it gives them a general understanding of the levers that they have to pull if mm. it's not doing well, right. right? It's, it's, it's training through understanding cause and effect. So that's what we're looking at. Now, weekly, we're looking at all of our emails and imagine taking a spreadsheet that you printed out and having that opens, clicks, forwards, unsubscribes, and complaints. And you took a red pen, like a teacher, yeah. and you circled the highest open rate email and the yeah. lowest open rate email of the week. Yep. And the highest click and the lowest click and the h- highest unsubscribe and the lowest and the highest complaint and the lowest and the highest forward and the lowest. And then you say, what did we learn? Yes. What, is our, what are our subscribers telling us? Are we sending too many urgency-based emails? So they were really working, so the open rates are really high. But towards the end, complaint rates are through the roof. People are tired of the urgency. Yes. Or is it curiosity? We're sending yes. way too many curiosity-based email that's kind of a blind subject line. So people are opening, 
but now they're just opening to complain. Right. Or are people just frankly tired of hearing about Facebook Messenger? Yeah. They're not opening and they're not clicking. This is a great way of, of gauging not only just the metrics of are things working, but what does our list want more of? Yeah. If they're on that main list and they haven't made it over to one of our high value segments, they're telling you through their actions or their inactions. Yeah. Most of the time, we're just so hung up on metrics that we don't uh, apply or ascribe intent to those metrics. Yes. And we don't change our plan based on what they're telling you. Yes, That's what we do. And I think that's what kind of makes us, I don't know, better than most at, at email is, is we actually look and say, yeah, sure, we have a plan. Yeah, sure, we already wrote the emails, but we can't send them. We yeah. have to change them. And that's big. And, and that's how you, you train your people. Again, cause and effect. People aren't opening our emails. Why? I don't know. Well, go back and run through and, and tell me. Look at the highs and the lows of all of our KPIs and tell me what patterns you start to see. Yeah. So this is very much a science. And you really put a lot of rigor into your process and your thinking, the things that jumped out at me were, one, you have to have a hypothesis, which comes back to the testing module I did with Digital Marketer. You have to have a hypothesis around what you expect to happen, because if you don't have the hypothesis, then you're not going to be able to form an opinion on whether or not your expectation was met. So you have to form a hypothesis around, okay, when I send this particular email, this is the reaction I'm expecting to get. But if I don't get it, I can now say, well, why didn't I get that reaction? And that takes you to intent. What is the intent with which your customer or your prospect opened the email was an intended outcome that they hoped to receive from opening that email, not fulfilled, which is why they were disappointed and didn't read the rest of the email. And then you can assess that by seeing whether they've clicked on links towards the end of the email and so on and so forth. So there's a lot of testing, hypothesizing, and then forming conclusions and then feeding that back into your email marketing. So it's a test and learn, test and learn, test and learn approach. Absolutely. Yeah. It's the scientific method. I mean, you hit it right on the head. If, if you just start your email yeah. Kind of if your if your goal for email is to, you know, do better, right? Or to yeah. drive as many clicks as possible or to drive as many opens as possible, that vague goal will likely result in you driving less clicks or right. less opens than you ever have before. We believe that if we do this, this will happen. And then do it. And then yeah. every time you look at it, cherish failure. Cherish failure so much more than success. Because rare, rarely do we learn a lesson from success. Yes. If, if, if we go and try something new and everything we do, we win and win and succeed. And, and we've learned nothing, only that it typically works out. So what happens when it doesn't? Yes. We freeze. Yes. We, we live in it too long. But if every time we fail, and failure is forming a hypothesis, doing what you said you would do, and failing to hit the desired end result or outcome, and then going back and saying, why? What assumptions did I make that were incorrect, and how do I better form a hypothesis hmm. next time based on what I learned this time? I mean, that's just 
in anything you do, especially email, that's how you start to 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 really engage and develop talent at, yes. at any position in your company is you start to teach them the goal. Yes. It's the difference between transformational leadership and transactional leadership. Right. Are you telling them the goal, telling them how the goal is measured, and then allowing them to to live and try things within that to see are they able to just achieve the goal or are you telling them what to do and how to do it and how you'll measure it? Yeah. One of them will will make you a great manager and you'll be yeah. able to manage people and processes at whatever skill level they're at and you're at. Yes. The other one will make you a great leader of people and developer of talent. Yes. Uh, people will be able to do things that that you would have never thought of and, and ideas will birth from the process so much bigger than yourself. And you've just beautifully explained how we can train our team to think in a certain way so as to build that skill, that core competency within the business of not yeah. just email marketing successfully, but also of testing and learning, which in my opinion is invaluable in business today. And that is adaptability based on data that is coming back at you. This is perhaps the analyst in me, because I used to work as a financial and strategic analyst in the corporate world before this. But being able to read the numbers and read the story behind the numbers, more mm. importantly, and be able yes. to adapt on the fly is where there's so much fun, excitement, development, and iterative capability. Yeah. I'll tell you, it, it, if you give people a checklist, they'll do it. Yeah. But if you tell people, here's the way we've done it in the past, or here's the current process, but here's the goal. Yeah. They'll do it. And if something doesn't go wrong or if something doesn't go right, I'm sorry, if something does go wrong, <laughs> if something, if, if it doesn't go according to plan, yes. they'll be able to use instinct to correct because they understand the goal. Yeah. If you only give them the checklist and, and I love checklists, I love yeah. documented processes. Yeah. But I love documented processes when people understand the intent or the reason or the goal of that process yeah. and they have freedom and they understand how to think and go, okay, I did all the things in the list and it should have received a, a ton of opens and a ton of clicks, yeah. um, but it didn't. Yeah. So that was the goal. Yeah. That was to get this segment of the list to raise their hand, to open the email, to click the email or to reply to the email or whatever it was. It didn't work. But since I understand the goal... I can make suggestions. Hmm. I can bring suggestions on fixing it instead of just bringing problems. And I think that's a that's big, right? Hmm. That's again, it's is it a checklist mentality? Meaning, I I I I gauge my worth and my job based on completing this checklist. Results be damned, or do I take some ownership of the desired end result and I start to grow and I start to search? And I start to to use my use my 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 brain and 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 instincts uh, and intellect to come up with creative ways to solve yeah. this problem, or I just yeah. go that didn't work, but I followed the checklist. Yeah. So we're we're big on on empowering through knowledge and process. This conversation has become so much more valuable, <laughs> so much more valuable because we've talked about so much more than email marketing. We've talked yeah. about leadership, which is something that you're very good at as well, clearly from Thank this you. conversation. Okay, so let's talk about action steps. So to me, okay. the biggest action steps from this conversation are get an understanding of what 
engagement means within your email marketing ecosystem. Identify the high value segments and then engage with those high value segments by sending them splinter content, which probably is bits and pieces of the larger piece of content that you want to sell to them and see how they respond to that and use those as breadcrumbs, if you like, trying to lead them to the promised land. And if they do continue to engage with those splinters, then make them an offer and your chances of them converting on that offer are, are greater. If they don't engage with that content, then you need to have a process where you remove them off that particular segment. And over time, if they don't engage with any of your emails, you need to say bye-bye to them, which is difficult, but it's just like pruning a rose bush. If you don't do the pruning, you are going to end up with a poor quality result overall. So you've got to kill your darlings and you must ensure that a high proportion of your emails are clicked on and read. Now, in an environment that is particularly noisy, this Mm. is even more important, not less. The other important insight for me was learning from failures. I don't believe in failing for failing's sake, but I do believe that failures can be very instructive. You can learn a lot from them if you ask why. Why did this not work? And an important part of learning from failures is to have a hypothesis around what you expect to happen before you actually execute. So if it doesn't happen the way you planned, which in other words is failure, then you say, okay, so why didn't this happen? And in fact, it's a very healthy way to look at what we typically call failure. In our culture, we tend to think of failure as a pejorative term. But if you think of failure as an outcome that did not match the intended hypothesis, then it automatically lends itself to asking, well, why? Why didn't it meet that outcome? And therein lies the learning. This approach is something that you can outsource to your team and you can Mm. teach your team to think in this way. It will improve their skills and it will also mean that you can focus on more than just your email marketing. Some useful tools that you talked about were the Mail Monitor app and you also talked about the return part certification, which is pretty expensive but worth doing if there's good return on investment based on your revenue and profit and that's something that you would probably know for yourself. Anything else you'd like to add, Richard? Absolutely. So I'm going to give you some quick kind of additions to add to your to-do list. So number one, indoctrinate your subscribers. Yes. So the most important thing to do when you get a new subscriber is to fully indoctrinate them into the brand. Now, what does that mean? That means to introduce them to to you, and I mean personality. Even if you're a brand, brands can't be void of personality. Like if they are, it's just called a. They're just called uninteresting. Right. We don't open emails or text messages or communications from people that aren't interesting. We don't go to dinner and hang out with real people that are uninteresting. And there's some social decorum that says we have to in certain cases (laughs) via email. There's no social decorum that says that your new subscriber can't delete or unsubscribe from your very first message. No one sees them. They're free to do with it what they want. So. You need to indoctrinate people into your brand and have some personality behind it. Uh, Mm -hmm. What does your brand stand for? What do they stand against? You need to align the new subscriber with you. They need to be on 
whatever side of the issue or they need to be aligned against a common uh, enemy or aligned with a common belief. That's yep. number one in, in, in doctrine is you need to, to say, you're one of us. Mm-hmm. We're one of you. You found your people, yeah. right? That's big. So align them with what you believe, align them against a common enemy, show some personality, show them your best content, bounce them around to different channels, right? Be prescriptive. The way you become an authority is you tell people to do something and they do it. Think about that. There are a couple people in your lives throughout the history of your life. Your, you know, your parents starts right. there. Then you get to your school teachers. And then you get to your boss. And then you get to your doctor. Things like there are certain people who tell you what to do and you do it. They're authorities in your life. So how do you become an authority in a new subscriber's life? You tell them what to do and they do it. So right. you have to make sure that there's value and benefit in it for them. But we do this through bouncing. So in a new subscriber in the indoctrination series, bounce them over to your social channels. Hey, for an inside look at The Office, go over here to our YouTube channel and watch The Office Tour, right? To see the team on the last outing, go check out our Facebook page. To see behind the scenes here, go follow us on Instagram. So tell them what to do with a benefit. One, they become not only indoctrinated, but they have a voyeuristic view uh, yeah. An experience of of who you are. They get to know you. They get to understand who you are, and now you become interesting to them. Yes. And when we're interested in something, our ears perk up when they speak. So yes. indoctrinate your new subscribers. Have personality. You know, align them to what you believe, and and tell them what you don't. And if they don't believe in that, they will leave, and it'll be you'll both be better for it. Yeah. Now, after you've indoctrinated them in in that, start giving them the best of. If you have uh, an amazing uh, blog post that everyone raves over, or if you have, you know, your most popular YouTube video, send that to them. Okay. This is your first date with your subscriber. Yeah. If you were going on a first date, you'd wear your best outfit. You'd go to the best restaurant where they know you and you seem important. You'd tell your best jokes and your yeah. funniest stories. So date your subscribers. Yeah. Every new subscriber that comes into have a first date. Do that. And now they'll start to care and you'll see that engagement tick up because they know who you are, whether you're a brand or a personality, they now know you, right? You've moved from stranger to friend and they start to care. So that's big. The second one. So if we're indoctrinating and then we're segmenting, the third thing is, is re-engaging. You said uh, one thing that I just want to make sure that I've clearly articulated when someone becomes unengaged, it also needs to trigger a, a new campaign. Okay. It's a high value segment but it's not one that you want to receive. But it's there's a there's something in between. They've become unengaged and you stop emailing them. And that should be a re-engagement campaign. Okay. That's a campaign only triggered by whatever inactivity you determine mm-hmm. and sent to people with the goal of getting them to open or click an email because by default, if they've opened or clicked the email, they're re-engaged. Right. Okay? Right. So indoctrinate, segment, re-engage, now, here's a, a, a trick. It doesn't have to be goodbye forever. Here's okay. something that we started doing a couple of uh, years ago, and it's worked really, really well. At the end of every week, we say, what was our best content email? What was our mm-hmm. best promo email? And we, if we have a breakout email, we take that email, we go to our unengaged list, and we divide it by seven. And we send that best performing email. Right to those previously unengaged people, 70 or, or a seventh of the list yes. every day for a week. Now, okay. 
we typically can send enough email that we won't take down our overall engagement by adding those unengaged. But what it'll do is we've now taken content that other people have engaged with over and above the level of normal engagement. So we have social proof that it's it's better than average content. And we're sending that to people who used to be actively engaged with the brand. Now, what happens if they open or click? They've now re-engaged, re-engaged. themselves and they're back out. So this right. is how goodbye doesn't have to be goodbye forever. Because okay. occasionally we send someone a message and say, hey, Ash, I haven't heard from you in a while. How are you? Yeah. And maybe we haven't talked in a year. But yeah. maybe for the next 30 days, we talk four times. Right. We've re-engaged our relationship. It happens all the time. Yeah. Don't be afraid to do it with your email subscribers. Okay. That's fantastic. Man, you've just dropped so much valuable content. Thank you so much. Oh, thank you. So any good books you can recommend? Now, there aren't many on email marketing that I've come across, but yeah. you've shared some very valuable principles underlying email marketing around engagement and communication and so on. So would you like to suggest some good resources we can check out? Yeah, so email marketing is just marketing, right? Hmm. It's just marketing and and the who gets what email when is automation, it's segmentation. I mean, we're talking about lever pulling. Now it's strategy, right. uh, but really your emails will perform based on your ability to craft a message that is both engaging and persuasive. So if yeah. you're looking at, you know, uh, how do I write better emails? It's how do I write better persuasive copy? Uh, how do I how do I become a better copywriter? I love Robert Cialdini, so I would strongly uh, recommend Influence and Persuasion. Those are two amazing books uh, that he wrote. I also one of the things that I have all of my copywriters and I try to read is books in and around storytelling. So storytelling is best done, I believe, by authors and even more by screenplay writers. Yes. So one of my favorite books that I think everyone who's who's charged with writing emails should read is called Save the Cat. So Save okay. the Cat is about, and it's actually a term that screenplay writers use. Uh, yeah. I won't give it away as to why, yeah. uh, but it's a fantastic book in and around how to write screenplays. And I can tell you, if you can motivate people to buy a ticket, get in their car, drive to a movie theater and watch your movie, I bet you if you read the book, it'll it'll increase your email open rates and click-through rates. Wow, that's a fantastic tip. Thank you. And what about the email marketing course that you can do via Digital Marketer? How do our listeners find out more about that? Yeah, so head over to to digitalmarketer.com. I'll tell you a tip. If you want to get our email marketing certification, give it a free try. You can go to our memberships and go to Lab Plus. When you take a free 30-day trial of Lab Plus, you'll not only get access to the email marketing mastery course and certification that I created, but 10 other mastery courses and certifications. You can try it out for 30 days for free. You can get certified. There's no restrictions. If you don't like it, cancel. If you do, we hope you'd stay. But there's a way to go check that course out, get certified for free. I promise you, you can do the course in less than 30 days. So if nothing else, go over, take a try, get certified. I think you'll learn a lot. I did exactly that. I don't join the monthly membership for about two months. And in those two months, I think I did seven or eight certification. So it's definitely doable. And I love I loved the copywriting module. I got 98% in that and I got 92% in email marketing. So those are two of my favorites. So uh, they're both they're two good ones. They're my favorites. <laughs> yeah. So I highly recommend the courses. 
<laughs> I highly recommend those courses. They're really good value. There's a lot of information there. You will need to take notes, but they'll be worthwhile because you can keep the notes forever and you will definitely improve your skills and your knowledge as a marketer. So I highly recommend that. So Richard, how do listeners find out more about you? And is there anything else you'd like to share before we say goodbye? Yeah, um, I mean, come to digitalmarketer.com. That's where all my focus is at. You can yeah. either there or, or come check us out at Traffic and Conversion Summit. We get together once a year with you know, five or 6,000 of our best friends and, and we talk this stuff, we live this stuff for three days. So trafficandconversionsummit.com, digitalmarketer.com. And I'll leave you with, you know, I really hope that that you take some of the lessons in here that we talked about in, in application of email marketing and just apply them to, you know, to something bigger. Uh, yeah. It'll help in all aspects of your copy. And I love that you pointed out the leadership stuff. I mean, that's what I'm passionate about. You said something that was great. If if you can apply this not to to just your leadership, or I'm sorry, not just to your email, but other aspects of your life, I'll tell you, if you look today at the things that are both critical and important, the things that only you can do, and you understand that in order for your business to grow, one day, those must be automated processes, either through people or through technology, so that you can do the things that either have already become, but you didn't realize it, or will soon become critical and, and important, you will adopt a mentality of transformational leadership yep. if your company grows. And and that's something that we're passionate about in all aspects of business. The companies that I see that are that are not just having success, but that are good places to work. Companies that are that are developing good people that other companies see as valuable and you know in some cases are poaching, which is the ultimate kind of compliment. I yeah. mean, we had yeah. one of our team members recently poached by Facebook, which was yes. both a compliment and uh you know, and very, very sad at the same time. But, <laughs> and painful, but I'm sure. <laughs> it was painful. Uh, a lot went into that. But we're, we were so excited for her. And, you know, it doesn't stink to have someone who likes your brand, who works at Facebook, I guess. Right. But really, I think the goal there or the point that I would, I would leave you with is when you not only document processes and systems, but you invest the time in people to explain why, you give them growth opportunity and free yourself up for more growth opportunity. And that's how yeah. both businesses and people grow. Okay. Well, Richard, thank you so much for being on the show. Thank and you. there's so much we talked about. I'd love to have you back on one day. I'd love it. This was so much fun. Ash, thank yeah. you so much for the invite and, uh, and for, for, you know, walking through this. Oh, pleasure. Thanks for listening to the Productive Insights Podcast. You can find all the links in the show notes below this episode on ProductiveInsights.com. You can also ask questions in the comment section that Ash personally answers. How can Ash help you today? 